0: It's wonderful to be with you. We love you all very much. We cherish our time that we lived here and worked uh, with you here, and we enjoy trying to stay in contact, whether through Facebook or we log on and, and view your bulletin. And as I mentioned in class, we see some have come that are new, and uh, some have moved, and uh, some we have, we have lost. And we try to, from a distance, uh, continue to, uh, to keep up with how you're doing. But we love you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to, to visit with you today. It's, it's a lot of fun to reminisce and to share memories and to visit together. This is, uh, we had a wonderful evening last night, a great time this morning talking and visiting. And it's, it's just wonderful to see you. And we are continuing to pray for you. And you all continue to be uh, not just a cherished memory, but as Keith prayed about, you continue uh, to influence us. And we're grateful for that in a, in a really positive way. And we're praying for you and are, are confident the Lord will continue to bless you as we move forward. In First Peter, in chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light." Our two oldest kids, Emma and Thomas, uh, recently got new cell-, cell phones, and we're glad to, to get to visit us, the whole family. Emma is 17, and Thomas is 15, and Simon is 5 years old, and we're glad to have Braden traveling with us. Braden is Emma's uh, boyfriend, and Emma is, uh, and Braden both are graduating uh, soon, and coincidentally, they're both planning to go to Harding in, in the fall, and so... <laughs> One of the things at Christmas time, uh, Thomas got a new a new cell phone. One of the security features of the phones, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is the fingerprint identification. And as parents, we wanted to log our fingerprints so that we can also have access to to their phones. And it asks you to hold your finger in a certain way, at a certain angle, and to log your print. so that it learns to recognize your unique identity. And some of the new phones have facial recognition. A facial recognition system uses biometrics to map facial features from a photograph or a video. It, it takes note of the distance between your eyes and the position of your nose relative to your chin and so forth. And in this high-tech age, security is serious. We know that, right? We, we see reports of security breaches or data compromises. And so security is very serious. Even our phones want to know, are you who you say you are? We're asked to prove our identity. Now, all this to illustrate that as Christians, we have a unique identity, that's what Peter is talking about, not just in this passage, but in first and in second Peter, one of the things that he is passionate about is reminding Christians about our true identity. We have features that distinguish us from others. Are we really who we claim to be? Is Christians simply? A name tag we wear on select occasions, or is it a descriptor of our true identity? Well, this is the idea that Peter takes up in 1 Peter chapter one and in chapter two. And remember, he's writing to Christians who are confused. He's writing to Christians who are discouraged because of the persecution that they are encountering. Uh, because they are believers, because they are Christians, they are they are being harassed by. Culture and, and by those around them that do not understand why they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And since they don't understand it, and since they look at, at Christians as, as being uh, strange and, and outsiders, their response is persecution. And in the context of the day, Christianity is even illegal, right? Christians even being arrested because they have professed faith in Jesus Christ. And so his message to them, to Christians, is basically about holding to their identity. He's concerned that many of them, because of the persecution, may be tempted to just surrender their unique identity in Christ and just merge or dissolve into the culture so that they won't stand out. But Peter wants them to celebrate the hope that they have in Christ and to remain firm in their faith. The beginning of Peter's first letter to Christians who are even being scattered because of their conviction, he doesn't address these people in terms of their ancestry, their moral background, their social status. He doesn't speak to them in respect to their wealth or poverty. He doesn't ask if they uh, worship in J-Town, or uh, he doesn't ask if their building is close to the interstate. He doesn't fixate on their districting. He spotlights their distinctiveness. He speaks of their true identity in Christ, an identity which transcends geographic real estate. You see, it's not easy to to maintain faith when situations and circumstances become hard. One of the things that we're tempted to do in times of of distress is to look for ways to make it easier. And sometimes the easier thing to do is to just go along. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is just to, to let go of the things that we are passionate about. Because it's hard to be devoted, to have consistent conviction. It's easy to forget our basic identity as Christians. And so it's important to be reminded of who we are, We're reminded on a regular basis. And one of the things that we do as the church is we, we just remind each other of who we are and whose we are. And we are people who, by the grace of God, have been chosen for a particular purpose. And our purpose defines us, and our purpose is to glorify God. And our destiny defines us, and our destiny is to inherit life. But all Christians live a strange double life. Peter addresses his audience as foreigners, not because they have... Uh, immigrated to where they now live, but because they now have a dual citizenship. They simultaneously inhabit at, at a certain country or region, and, more importantly, they're citizens of God's new world. The, the expression that we sometimes use to describe this, right, is, is we, are, we are in the world, but not what? Of the world. And that is something of what Peter is describing here. Uh, You you are a part of the furniture of the world. You live in this world. You engage and interact with with people around you at, at jobs and neighborhoods. But within you, you have an identity which transcends all of those things. You have an identity in Christ... Our in Christ identity. Here's some of the languages that P, uh, some of the terms that Peter uses to emphasize this. In chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, You are born again to a living hope. In verse 14 of chapter 1, uh, Obedient children who are not conformed to the passions of their sinful past. Then in verse 16, we are called to be holy. We are called to be holy. He says Christians in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 1 have been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, remembering in verse 21 that our faith and our hope is in God. We pursue sincere brotherly love, chapter 1, verse 22, where we love one another earnestly from a pure heart. After all, and then moving into chapter 2 and verse 3, we have tasted that the Lord is good. And we have come, verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, as living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he summarizes. He sums it up by saying in verse 9 of chapter 2, You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So I think we do need to remind ourselves frequently and seriously and thoroughly of who we really are. And I think Peter's message is timely for us today. We may not be facing the same kind of persecution those first century believers faced, but we are at times struggling, I think, with an identity crisis. It seems that Uh, The church, just generally speaking, Christians are are being tempted to pull away from our distinctive identity and become something more, Uh, something more socially acceptable. Or we're tempted to just blur the line between Christian and the world and simply melt into our culture. But Peter's remedy is not to compromise our convictions we refuse to surrender our confession he reminds believers that our distinctiveness and the scorn that it may invite is not a badge of shame but rather it it shows that we are connected to christ after all jesus suffered to in verse 24 of first peter leaving us an example that we might follow in his steps And our suffering is simply a manifestation of our union with Christ since he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Now, Furthermore, I believe that as Christians give thanks and praise to God, and as we delight in our identity in Christ, we are joining a grand legacy of celebrating our Savior. We join our hearts with the hearts of thousands of believers who never fail to honor a holy God because our identity is rooted in Christ. The present assemblage of Christians and the past assemblage of Christians, this imagining of God's church encourages us and reminds us that we are not, Alone. We are not isolated Christians. We are not isolated congregations being swallowed up in a broader community, but we are members together of a mighty kingdom that stands forever. Recently, we did some uh, thinning out of things as we moved my mom into an assisted living facility in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and on uh, tomorrow we're planning to travel down to Tennessee and visit family, and we're going to work our way east and go to Chattanooga and, and visit with her. And she's at a good place, and, and it's going well for her. But just a couple of months ago, we were, we were moving her, and that, that's a difficult process. Some of the things were very hard to let go, to, to move from, from a, a three-bedroom to, to a one-bedroom. Means that some things had to had to be released. Well, I just need some things had to be thrown away. Let me just say it that way. Uh, 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 This porch rocking chair—the thing was a wreck. It was rusted, and the and the fabric was ripped. And it it, was—you're taking your life into your own hands, just sitting in this thing. And yet, it was with tears that I that mom and I picked it up and carried it to the dumpster. Because I remember when I was eight years old when dad brought that home to mom as a gift and she was so excited. And that chair, it's just a chair, right? (laughs) But it's been on the porch for decades. And so we had a parade to the dumpster and we had to let it go. And we cried over this dumb chair. (laughs) Old art and and then we came to uh, old articles and, and and here's the thing this this box of cassette tapes. Some of it was Christmas music, some of it was uh, I don't know, but a lot of them were sermons, audio, sermons on audio cassettes from from my dad and. And just collection of cassette sermons from the past and those were hard to release and my mom was like no we can't let these let these go but but here's here's how I described it to her I said mom these these sermons they they have done their job they were preached and they were spoken into God's creation for God's glory and we are going to trust in the archives of heaven in heaven there is a vast library and and, and all of these things are so perfectly preserved that we are just going to let we're going to let the librarians in heaven do their job and we're going to throw these cassette tapes in the dumpster And she was sort of okay with that. That's how we we were able to get rid of those things. We are trusting in the archives of heaven. I'm going to be honest with you, that's comforting for me. (laughs) I can accept that, and I can be at peace with that. And and this, this realization that we are part of a vast body of Christ, And the things that are on the front page of of the newspaper that are celebrated, front page news, you know, I think heaven's newspaper, the things that we celebrate in the church, when when there's a restoration or a baptism or or a, a revitalization of faith or a fresh insight into God's word, Those are the things that occur in the local church that make the front page headlines of Heaven's Newspaper. And there is comfort for us in being part of a vast community, not just here, but one that even transcends into Heaven. We are part of a community. God did not create us to live out our faith, In radical isolation, as individuals only, he created us to live out our faith in the context of community with linked arms with brothers and sisters in Christ beside us and in front of us and behind us as we are linked by a common conviction, a common bond of love and faith that is unshakable, a kingdom that cannot... Collapse, timeless, and eternal. And this body of Christ reaches back to the past, and it's one that reaches around, encompassing believers all over the globe, and one which reaches forward, assuming future faith. This realization encourages us, and it empowers us, and it unites us. What does this unity look like today? Is it different from what it used to be? To what are we united? I think it's a good question. We need to constantly be asking that question. What is it that unites us? Is it respect for God's word? Do we still hear the call to restore the primitive faith of the ancient church? Do we still have Christ-inspired zeal to spread the gospel at home and around the world? What about our identity markers, our our fingerprints of faith? Is it still true that we are people who have received and who give grace? People who have a radical devotion to an ancient text people with an attitude of surrender to Jesus Christ? Uh, Are we not still damp from our baptism? Don't, Don't we still believe that our Christian baptism for the forgiveness of sins marks us as people who have been claimed by Christ because we have surrendered our lives to Him and have experienced participation in His death, burial, and resurrection? Are we not people of love? Certainly this is a misunderstood word today, but in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Is this still who we are? Is this who we will continue to be in the years ahead? Well, we say yes. Yes, because we are Christians. And that's that's who we are. That's our identity. We wear the name of our Savior. We continue to be loyal to His Lordship. That's who we are. And we celebrate that identity in Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we are so thankful that we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, that we've been brought into your family, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession. Lord, please continue to equip us for ministry, help us to celebrate the fact that we can wear the name of Jesus Christ and we are thankful for your continual pouring out of grace and favor upon us. Be with us as a church, understanding that doesn't just mean a, a local group, but believers around the world who are united in a common hope, our citizenship in heaven, as we long to glorify you. Lord, build us up, strengthen us, give us wisdom and peace, and we give thanks for the fact that you walk with us and you show us your grace and favor. Lord, I pray that you will be with the church here at Watterson Trail, so thankful for the wonderful love and faith that is represented here. Pray that you will be with the leaders, be with every member, be with this community, that we can be a light and salt And Lord, pray that you will continue to strengthen and encourage. Help us never to forget um, the blood of Christ that has redeemed us and made us new. And that we're part of an unshakable kingdom. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have an opportunity. If we can minister to you with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we can give you encouragement, if we can pray for you, uh, if perhaps you're ready for baptism, I'm. Co- I've not seen, but but I'm confident there's water back here. There was five years ago when we left, and I'm sure there's there's fresh water there now. And and this may be the day that you want to make that decision, and we can help you. We can minister to you. Uh, if we can if we can pray for you, if we can pray with you. This is an opportunity. Uh, to, to do that, and we want to minister to you and to invite you to come as we stand and sing a song of encouragement.